Welcome to the Show Me Institute podcast. I'm Zach Lawhorn from Show Me Opportunity, and today I'm joined by David Stokes and Patrick Ishmael from Show Me Institute. David, over the last few episodes, we've talked about this push in St. Louis and soon to be across the state, as we'll discuss, to uh, implement a policy of tax property tax freezes for people over the age of 62, 65, seniors in general. Uh, what's the update on the bill in St. Louis County? Well, it was defeated in St. Louis County. It was defeated four to th- four to three along along party lines uh the democrats voting against it the republicans voting for it the the uh democrats were in the right on this one although we don't look at it in partisan lines like that this is a well-intended policy designed to help people but it's really going to have more negative repercussions than positive so i was glad it was defeated in st louis county it's likely to go be proposed around the state and may yet be on the ballot in st louis county the the activist group pushing it is now now says they're going to take the ballot initiative route since the county council defeated it which they have every right to do so it may be back in st louis county i know there's a bill in st louis city on the before the Board of Aldermen to do something similar now. What they're doing in the Board of Aldermen is completely illegal because they're doing it differently than what state law authorizes, and that's they're not allowed to do that. They may do that anyway. That's never stopped them before. But if they were doing this only with city money, uh, they could probably do this. But, of course, they're, you read this bill, it's it's pretty clear to me at least that it's for the school district and the zoo museum district and the community college district to the fact that they're going to be uh, instituting their own similar system to a senior property tax freeze is not allowed. So so I'll have simple testimony when I go to the city board of aldermen. You can't do this. Thank you. I'm out. Uh, But I think we'll go over to Patrick in a second here because right, Frank White, you know, we never want to put out political motives for for moves as a policy organization but we all know that the assessment system like i'd say it's like a broken clock but it it happens more frequently than a broken clock 2019 2021 2023 assessments have just been a really chaotic process in kansas city to the point right now where the city of independence is suing jackson county for failure to meet certain required legal legal uh deadlines and the like for notifying people and you've got now the whole royals are into the mix as cities and counties are suing each other right when we're trying they're trying to decide where the royals are gonna go other suburbs in kansas city i shouldn't say suburbs other counties surrounding jackson county have said they're going to try to impose this too and the bad the simple fact is that a senior tax freeze is simply taking the tax burden shrinking your tax base and imposing more of a burden on people who don't get the special deal and it's bad public policy and i hope it's defeated statewide yeah and i want to talk about the royals here in a second but patrick going over to you in kansas city as david mentioned um there's also a push to enact a policy a property tax freeze for seniors in jackson county um do you have a read of kind of the the vibes over there for lack of a better term is this something that you see gaining momentum or do you think it'll have a similar fate to the st louis county bill well, I, I think in Jackson County, there there is, of course, the problem of the <laughs> enormous increase in a lot of these reassessments. I think the average in Jackson County is about 30 percent 
so if you were paying a hundred thousand, or if your house was assessed at a hundred thousand dollars before, it's not going to be assessed at one hundred thirty thousand uh, dollars going forward. That could be a pretty significant change in what your tax liability is. And so the county has kind of been flailing at trying to mitigate not only the you know economic damage to individuals uh, of what they're going to be paying, but also the political damage. And as to the senior, uh, you know, property tax freeze, I think that uh, David's right. You have Frank White, who's the a county executive in Jackson County, who has said openly that he wants to pass that freeze, which was, of course, enabled by state law earlier this year. And like David said, it's it's bad policy to cut up uh, taxes, uh, tax bases in general, especially the property tax. We always talk about trying to gear tax policy toward growth. Income taxes are, are the most destructive to growth. Sales taxes are a little bit less destructive. And property taxes are least destructive. And I think that, you know, you, you can say that and also say, you know, there might be other factors in play where you want to mitigate these other sorts of, of problems where you don't want, of, of course, seniors to be, you know, pressed out of their homes because of a reassessment. But like David said, I mean, reassessments have been a long-term problem, particularly in places like Jackson County. Uh, and so uh, I think that Jackson County is probably going to look at this freeze uh, for uh, a lot of reasons. Uh, I think one big one is political, but uh, but I think that you'll see probably Platte County and Clay County and Cass County all take a look at it as well. Again, it's not good policy to cut up tax bases, uh, whether it's for seniors or for some other reason, because what you really want is a low tax rate for everybody. Uh, rather than picking and choosing winners in the tax code. But in Jackson County, my suspicion is that they will probably move forward with it uh, and certainly will have something to, to say about it when that process starts. If we want to help the people of Kansas City, the most important thing we need to do is get rid of the constitutional exemption for the Kansas City School District, excuse me, which is not required to roll back its tax rates as assessments increase, unlike every other taxing body in the state of Missouri. We talk about this a lot, but it cannot be pressed home hard enough that in 2019, when assessments went up over 20% in Jackson County, the Kansas City School District kept its rates exactly the same. So their tax revenue went up 20%. Similar happened in 2021, although the rates didn't go up, uh, the assessments didn't go up nearly as much that year. They're going to happen now. You've got this 30% increase in Jackson County for the parts of Jackson County in Kansas City School District, you know, that school district's going to be 60% to two-thirds of their tax bill, and they're going to keep, they're likely going to keep their rate the same. Not going to roll it back at all, and that's just terrible, and that absolutely has to be addressed statewide by amending our state constitution to remove that exemption. Sure, and another factor, and there was a story about uh, Green County officials down in southwest Missouri thinking about proposing a bill to uh, freeze property taxes for seniors. And they have questions about the state-level bill that was passed. They said it needs clarification. They're not even sure how to interpret it. And that seems like that, as you mentioned, going into the Board of Aldermen and saying you just simply can't do this, that we might see more and more cases as local governments try to uh, push bills like that, that it, nobody really seems all that certain what the law actually is. Well, the law is very short and Look, you can have short laws that are still good laws, but you want to remind people that this bill was not done in committee as part of the normal process. This bill 
the, what they eventually decided on was done sort of after the committee hearings on the floor. And like a lot of legislation with holes in it, which is the nicest way to put it, it was done quickly and on, on the floor. So that's perhaps not a surprise. So there are, when you read it, there's lots of omissions. There's lots of holes. There's lots of questions. You can read it normally and assume it just applies to county taxes. It's not. It doesn't. It applies to all. But that's not clear in there, and that's just one of the many troubling aspects. A lot of counties, such as St. Charles and other people from Jackson County, have said that they really need more clarification on what this bill is allowed, and our teachers included in it, our, our supplement, our people who have spousal benefits included in it, even if they're not 65 and they're, they're, or 62 and their spouse who is 62 has passed away. There's lots of open questions about this. Uh, some th- in St. Louis County, they said those questions were answered and then voted it down anyway. But a lot of, as you can see, by the way, counties are responding to it. A lot of these counties still have questions about the legislation. Sure. So, a uh, Patrick, you said cutting the tax base to ribbons. Um, another, I'll use the word gimmick, another gimmick that we see is tax-free weekend. It's back to school time. It's getting to be um, uh, late July, early August. So uh, everyone loves tax-free weekend, right? There's nothing else to consider. It's just all positives. <laughs> uh, it's not all positives. It's, it's at best probably neutral because what you really see, so tax-free weekend you know, in Missouri means is, is I believe, uh, August 4th through 6th this year. It's a, a very short period of time. But it's uh, ideally like help parents pay for school supplies. And but the, the real issue here is that what ends up happening is parents just kind of shift the way in which they spend. They're not really spending more. They're just shifting what they're spending money into. And it ends up benefiting people who aren't necessarily buying for school either. Uh, and, and so it, it's another example. So this is like a temporary like relief period for a certain kind of purchasing. But the real question is like, why would we allow for that? Or why would we do something like that? Like, why would we remove things from the sales tax base at any period point or remove anything from a sales tax period uh, uh, base permanently? Uh, you know, you can go down the list of things that aren't taxed through the sales tax that might need to be taxed, like uh, ink for uh uh, newspapers, for instance, is exempt from uh, sales taxes. So generally speaking, you know, this goes to the point that David has made about the property tax and, and the senior exemption. It goes to the point of that we've oftentimes made about income taxes and why you know tax credits are bad news. And uh, whenever you're carving out uh, a group or a, uh, a subject or you know a product from a tax base. You, you either have to actually reduce services or those costs of services are going to be applied to the remaining tax base. And so uh, tax-free weekend isn't an economic uh, development boost. I think sometimes in Missouri and elsewhere, uh, you've seen it characterized as that, and that's really not what's happening. It's good politics, but that doesn't make it good policy. And from an economic perspective, at best, it's neutral. Uh, and at worst, it's a negative because because things that would be taxed and would go toward services are not being taxed, uh, and that may not be good for the state or for local government overall. Have you ever been to the Target in Brentwood on a tax-free weekend? I mean, you talk about negative effects. You can't, I mean, you can't even breathe in that place. So, yes, tax-free weekend is a, a bad idea. I will probably go back to school shopping for my children on tax-free weekend, just the same as if I was 60 three years old and I still owned my house, I'd probably take a senior property tax freeze. But 
but uh, these are bad ideas, and they should not be done, and they should be they should be rescinded. If the state and many localities, but it's mostly a state thing, if they can go without that tax money for one weekend of the year, then they should have a slightly lower tax for the whole weekend, the whole year. David clogging up the aisles of the Brentwood Target, filling his basket while screaming about. Uh, I got all three kids of- with me. Everybody's pushing two different carts. Uh, where it's a it's a crowded eight card family right there. All right, uh, so Patrick, let's talk about the Royals. Everyone loves to talk about new stadiums, and the Royals are looking for one. So the situation um, is getting messy. There's lawsuits that are being talked about. There are different sites. What's the latest update? Yeah, so for a little bit of context, so the, the Kansas City Royals have played in Kauffman Stadium, which is their stadium, for about 50 years. And for that, that larger context, um, it is, I believe, the fifth oldest stadium in the country now between Fenway Park, or after Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, and the two Los Angeles stadia. And then after them, it's, there's basically a 17-year gap between the next oldest stadium, which is, I think, Tropicana Field, and it's 33 years old. So it is one of the older ballparks in the country, which is not to justify at all the idea that taxpayers should support rehabbing it. But I think that it is fair for the Royals to want a new stadium, given the fact that it is an older stadium. Now, no taxpayer should pay for it. But starting uh, the last couple of years, the Royals and the Chiefs have started talking about what the future is going to look like. Both the Royals and the Chiefs have leases on their stadia, which are next door to one another until the early 2030s. But what has been talked about is uh, the Royals going downtown and then the Chiefs potentially going to Kansas. And what's seemingly more likely at this point is that the Chiefs may stay put uh, in uh, the Truman Sports Complex. And the Kansas City Royals, based off of reports in the last couple months, is that they might move to North Kansas City. Now, that's a completely different city in a completely different county, uh, which means that the Royals would, among other things, they'd save on the earnings tax because they wouldn't be located within the bounds of Kansas City. And I think what the Royals are looking for is kind of a dedicated, larger uh, sales tax that is earmarked for them, which it sounds like Clay County officials and North Kansas City are inclined to offer them. Uh, when Governor Parson was asked about this uh, about a week after the news came out, it sure sounded like North Kansas City was the front runner, uh, as opposed to the Royals going into downtown Kansas City, as has oftentimes been talked about. After all that, uh, the, the majority owner of the Royals, John Sherman, talked to the media, said that they were going to have a decision one way or another between these two sites by the end of the summer. Uh, What it's sounding like now, uh, based off of reports in uh, the last 24, 48 hours, is that that decision is kind of being pushed off until the end of September. And what coincides with the end of September, of course, is the end of baseball season. So I wouldn't suspect that Royals fans it's not really in the the nature of Royals fans to protest at a stadium, but if you were trying to avoid, you know, protests at a stadium saying you should stay here or you should stay in, in Kansas City uh, downtown or go to Kansas City downtown, uh, if you're going to make an announcement like that, it would probably be about that time. Now, we, we have no idea really what the Royals are going to do. Uh, public re- reports seem to suggest a thing, and, I, and I've heard through reliable sources that in private meetings, 
a lot of state officials and local elected officials are privately saying that they think it's going to North Kansas City um, uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and I think that if, if he has its way and Jackson County has its way, I think that on the whole, it, that's probably not a bad thing. I mean, frankly, if the chiefs are going to be demanding more money and Jackson County and Kansas City are going to actually give it to them, it's better to be doing that with just one team rather than two teams. And we've talked about that uh, before. Uh, but if the Royals do go to North Kansas City, it sounds like the Chiefs are going to be more likely to stay where they are. They'll probably redevelop that property in, in some kind of way. Uh, but um, the the original thought, uh, at least until the last couple of days, was that there was going to be probably a decision by sometime in August. But it looks like it's been pushed back to September. Uh, and I think that uh, the public can... Uh, surmise what that might mean, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens in ten weeks or so. To to follow up on a, a comment Patrick just made, I do I want to point out that one of the differences between the Royals fans and Cardinals fans is that for Royals fans, one does assume that the baseball season ends at the end of September. Well, it didn't in nineteen eighty five. So <laughs> it's certainly ending at the end of September for the Cardinal fans this year, but it's not an ongoing assumption. Um, it's always good to share share misery, but it's much better to to share success. I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully that'll come to uh, to our baseball teams again. So it it's straight, and maybe it's always been this way. You guys can let me know what you think. But these stadium negotiations, I'm thinking of uh, what's happening in Oakland with the A's, and even a little bit what happened with the Cardinals when they said, you know, we're going to go to Illinois. We're going to go. Is that more and more these negotiations are becoming like a game of chicken? between the cities and the teams and the ownership and sometimes it gets really really ugly um and I, don't, I just really hope that we can avoid that here in this situation just more i mean think about the rays and uh their stadium negotiations but i really hope this doesn't become the new norm where it just becomes uh reverse protests or boycotts like you saw in oakland and like you mentioned patrick people with signs outside of the stadium every time um someone needs a new ballpark yeah, I mean, it, it is, I think, unfortunately, the new normal is public subsidies and public support. I think that, that you, you have to move away from that at some point. Uh, and I think particularly in Jackson County, you know, it it is, I think, a little uh, of a, a bad look to have, be in the process of increasing taxes on all of your citizens and at the same time considering offering gigantic uh, uh, subsidies and uh, to to professional sports teams. Um, you know, I, I think I don't think that will stop Jackson County and Kansas City from making those offers to both the Royals and the Chiefs. Uh, but I mean, I think it makes it really clear that in Jackson County, you know, there certainly is not a united front. I think the reaction from Frank White and from Kansas City Mayor Quentin Lucas after news broke that North Kansas City was in. Uh, uh, in negotiations with the Royals, or at least with one of their potential partners. Um, I, I don't know that, that Jackson County and Kansas City uh, had put their best foot forward uh, in, when it comes to those negotiations. But the reality is, is that none of these governments should be negotiating at all with any of these these teams. And if there's any good that comes from it, at least for Kansas City and Jackson County, at least they won't be the ones that have to subsidize and underwrite the Kansas City Royals, at least that cost would be pushed off to somebody else. It's still bad policy for the state. It's still bad policy for the taxpayers of Clay County uh, and of North Kansas City. 
but at, at least if you're going to look at the bright side of things, at least for Kansas City and Jackson County, uh, losing the Royals to a stadium that might be 10 minutes away is not such a, a bad uh, outcome for them. All right. Well, it sounds like we'll know more in the coming months. David, did you have any other mean comments to make about the Royals? I have no more mean comments to make about the Royals. Okay. The, Card- the Cardinal fans are in no position in 2023 to make mean comments about any other teams or franchises. All right. Um, so our final topic today, it's really a conversation about some things that we've already talked about, uh, universal- universality. And David, you flagged a conversation that was happening on social media earlier this week about that as it applies to paid for school lunches for students. Should everyone get them? Should uh, it be means tested? What do you think? Everybody should get lunch. <laughs> yes. The the government should not be paying for everybody's lunch, no matter what. And this is a discussion that's been on on social media this week. And and believe it or not, if you don't support taxpayer-funded lunches for all school children, be they poor, middle class, upper middle class, or or the one percent, then you're then you're a child child hating right wing nut job, apparently. Uh, Scott Winship of AEI had the temerity to propose that maybe we could continue to let families and markets provide lunches, and maybe taxpayers didn't need to subsidize lunches for every, I should say, further subsidize, because a lot of the milk is subsidized at every school cafeteria in America. Further subsidized lunches, and the the haters came out in mass for him. We had we had this debate in in St. Louis, I wrote about this in Missouri. I wrote about this for the Show Me Institute newsletter, one of our uh, versions in, in 2022, that yes, there's a push coming out of the pandemic to just make lunch free for everybody, or I should say included in your public school process no matter what. And I think it's a, I think it's just a bad idea. Nobody, dis, nobody disagrees with the free and reduced price lunch program for poor children that yes they deserve to have lunch provided so they can study on a full stomach everybody agrees with that program but the idea that you take it and just make it universal and put everybody whether you want to some people like to bring their lunch maybe people want to buy different things now you're just gonna make everybody pay higher taxes so you can pay lunch even for kids whose families want to send them their lunch like i do i want to pay for my children's lunch I, whether they buy or whether they bring whatever they do, I don't want the government forcing me to buy a government to government lunch there. In theory, my kids go to private school, so probably doesn't really apply. That said, yes, it's just about sort of normalizing welfare, normalizing that everybody should be getting as many government benefits as they can, and it's just the next step by people on the left to make that a standard point of American life. In this case, it's about making every kid get a government-provided lunch, even in cases where their families are perfectly willing and able to pay for their lunches, and I think it's a bad idea. And, and if I might add, I mean, I think there is a larger lesson to be taken. I mean, you're exactly right. You don't want to say that this is all slippery slope, but you can look at past track record and say, okay, for example, I mean, our, our fire departments have never been better funded but we've never had fewer fires at the same time. Uh, and it's not because the fire department is there preventing fires, it's because building uh, uh, requirements have been different, materials have been changed, and yet we're still expanding kind of the scope of the fire department and expanding what they do. Same thing with 
uh, education. We've never spent more on education, and yet we also have a, dec a declining number of pupils and expect a declining number of pupils going forward. And, you know, if you start looking at actual performance, uh, you know, we spend more and mo more money on, on our educational system, K-12 in particular, and yet, you know, we, we're only getting a third of kids proficient in math, which means two-thirds are not. We have, uh, you know, the vast, vast, vast majority of districts that are fully accredited, which mathematically doesn't seem like that would be possible under the circumstances. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think you, you need to have that backstop. You need to have that safety net for kids that are in precarious positions. But I do think that, you know, looking at, you know, the past performance of government, it's uh, predisposition is to grow into areas where it probably shouldn't grow into. Uh, and the areas that it grows into oftentimes are made more expensive, uh, less effective. And I think we need to be mindful that even in cases like this where, uh, you know, the, the uh, beneficiary of uh, the welfare that we're talking about here, like we want to make sure kids are able to eat. Uh, and, and I think that kids are able to eat under the current system. Uh, but does government need to be there? I, I would strongly question that, not just in, in the educational system, but in a lot of parts of government that are getting bigger and bigger for no really good reason. All right, let's wrap up. David, uh, what do you keep an eye on over the next week? We're keeping an eye on to see how many of these counties do move forward with senior property tax freezes around the state of Missouri. I think that's, and in particular, it's the city of St. Louis, as we discussed, which I think is the only other county, in this case technically an independent city, not within a county, uh, that has an actual bill on their agenda that's been filed. And Patrick? Uh, I have a couple blogs coming out, one on Tax Free Weekend, one on a great tool uh, that is being put out by the state that's been improved dealing with uh, what sales taxes are across the state. You could put your address in, find out what the sales taxes are in your particular jurisdiction, which is really great. So that blog will be coming out later this week. Uh, and uh, I have a paper uh, that is in the works uh, on foster care. Uh, and so it won't be published in the next seven days, but uh, you'll be hearing about that a little bit more often uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Thank you for listening. As always, plenty more at showmeinstitute.org. David, Patrick, thank you very much. Thank you.